Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, January 20th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 444 featuring Mass Live's Brian Robb is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. All right, we are back. Another new edition of Celtics Beat. We appreciate everyone hanging out here with us. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, you're used to the two of us. But joining us for the first time in a while, despite how often I, I bug him, we've finally been able to sync up. He's part of the CLNS family and, of course, a beat guy for Mass Live. Brian Robb, our good pal, talking C's just ahead of the trade deadline a few weeks away. How are you, man? Good. I missed you, boys. It's, uh, listen, the, the schedule in dad life is a little more complicated, unfortunately. For sure. So, uh, thanks for having me back. No, nobody's going to fault you for that. I mean, you get enough going on in your play, too, outside of Celtic schedule, dad life. You get your own podcast along with all the writing that you're doing. How is winning plays going? It's good. Yeah, we're, you know, we're cranking away once a week still. And obviously plenty, I mean, a lot of bull bull talk this week on there. So definitely <laughs> check that out. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, the premier bull bull podcast, folks, it's winning plays. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is what this is what we live for. Bull bull and um, and Juancho Hernan Gomez trade talk. That That's where. That the true diehards come into play. We're definitely going to get into some of that stuff just to, to let the people know, because, you know, I know the diehards, they're out there checking the standings, the schedule, you know, keeping up scoreboard watching every single day. But uh, in case you haven't done it yet today, here as we chat on a Thursday, here's what's up. Seas are ninth in the Eastern Conference. They are in the play in tournament uh, position anyway, as things stand four games out of a playoff spot which of course is, uh, you know, fairly daunting, but we're a little more than midway through the season. So there's a, a lot of time left. The next five games, uh, kind of not unlike this last one, a, a missed opportunity against the Hornets as we sit here. It was last night. The next five games are really against teams that are mediocre or worse. You know, all these clubs are below 500 or well below 500 with the exception of Washington, which is just a game above 500. So the Celtics are definitely in position where they could be coming up with some wins here in the short term. They had won five out of six before that last loss against, uh, I'm, I'm wearing the t-shirt here. Seemed like a good time to, to dust off the, the scary Terry t-shirt here. It's been a while, boys. So rocking that one. But, uh, you know, as everybody talks about it, B Rob, we've been, we've been harping on this for, for months, you know, what do the Celtics need? They need consistency. And, and, uh, you know, your good pal, uh, I, I like to call him danger cart, but of course, Ryan Bernardoni, 
he uh, he had a tweet that made me laugh. Celtics have been uh, between three under and five over 500 every day for the last 118 games. That's a form of consistency. He's right. This <laughs> this club is 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 perfectly mediocre and has been for for at this point years now. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty much a, a full season and a half, and you know they we know that things were great for them in the bubble, um, or at least for part of the bubble um, mm-hmm. in terms of putting together that run of the Eastern Conference Finals, but a lot has changed since then. Um, and to Ryan's point, it's you are your record says there, and some of that has been bad luck in terms of the COVID situation. They've hit, been hit harder pretty much in two straight seasons now than any other team in the league. But with that said, at the so as a lot of like this, it's a pretty even playing field overall around the NBA this year. Everyone's been hit hard at some point, so between that and the fact that, you know, when they have had been full, it, the the results have not changed much. And so that when you look at that spread out over essentially a year and a half now, that's when you look at Brad Stevens and the front office and the decisions they have coming up here in the next few weeks. And you wonder, you, you can make some easy changes or you can make some tougher choices now. And I'll be, it'll be very interesting to see what direction they go in on that front. Well, the very first in-season trade made by Brad Stevens in his Pobo era, president of basketball operations. Here's what went down. Of course, you mentioned you talked about it extensively on your podcast. We'll hit on it a little bit here as well. Juancho Hernan Gomez and his $7 million salary goes to the Spurs, part of a three-team deal with the Nuggets. Celtics acquired a couple of injured guys, P.J. Dozier, who had been here a few years ago for six games on a two-way. They're familiar with him. He's out for the season, though. He's not going to play. And then, of course, Bull Bull, who's kind of the new taco fall, except uh, you know a little bit better. He's out two to three months, foot surgery. He just failed a physical with the Pistons, so a trade to Detroit wound up falling through. So he winds up here in Boston. He could return for the end of the season at some point. Everyone is, you know, really making a big deal out of the fact that he is a restricted free agent. Fact of the matter is Celtics obviously could take advantage of the bird rights for both these guys in the future. I think uh, very notably under talked about, they did create a $6.9 million trade exception uh, because nobody loves trade exceptions. B Rob, like the Boston (laughs) Celtics love trade exceptions, but in truth, you know, regardless of what you think of that, it was certainly a good use of the Kemba Walker trade exception, which was set to expire in May. You know, they acquired Dozier and Bull Bull into those uh into that tpe and uh so you know now we we look ahead you know the team is obviously uh has has tepid excitement or enthusiasm about bowl because what the hell like i said we could see him by the end of the season so they want to at least give us something to look forward to but you know you were tweeting about it i was tweeting about it everyone who covers this team in any sort of capacity was tweeting about it which is uh you know you, you strip everything that i just said away this was a salary dump they saved, you know, and depending on what you read in the neighborhood of three to four million dollars. And uh, it, it sets them up to get a little bit closer to the luxury tax line. But obviously, there are more moves still to come in the few weeks ahead. Yeah, this is, from my understanding, this was just a situation where if you're going to go in that direction at some point, getting your work done on it earlier rather than later in terms of getting below the tax line is is a savvy play. As we saw last trade deadline when they were forced to dump Daniel Tice and Javante Green for essentially nothing um, in order to get under that tax line after they acquired Evan Fournier. And a big part of that was the fact that other teams knew that, hey, they had the mandate to get under, so they kind of squeezed them. Um, and they had, you didn't have to throw in some cash in that deal on top of it. So now you have a couple weeks ahead with the trade deadline here. You, whether 
they'll stay above the tax line. You know, from people I talked to, I think that's still in play here for like the right deal. But given the where things stand as a mediocre squad right now, I think the far likelier um, route for them is eventually getting under there, but potentially by doing something small with one of these guys or someone else in the roster, or maybe you achieve that in a bigger deal involving some of the veterans or maybe even some of the, the younger prospects that aren't, aren't playing so much right now. Do you view this as a good deal, the one that they just made, or or was it just, like I said, it was a salary dump, that's all it was? It, w- it wasn't good, it was bad, it was just something that happened? More than something that happened, I guess it's, I think getting off of Hernan Gomez's money, I mean, the guy was shooting, what, 18% from the field this year, <laughs> so if you can get off of a guy without having to give up draft capital when he's making $7 million, I think you have to consider that a win. <laughs> Unless you were, sure, you could have used him maybe a blockbuster deal emerges in two weeks and his salary could have helped build like a slot there. What yeah. are the realistic odds of that happening? I think pretty low. So I don't mind at all. I think it's you, you, you get rid of a guy that you had, you weren't going to retain beyond this year. You cut some salary in the process. And as long as you do something with that extra money down the road, I think you have to consider that a win for the seas. I know that Evan's got a lot to get to as well. And we're going to give him that opportunity, but I, I just want to get into the really the meat of this. And this is what the bulk of this show is, is going to focus on here today. Because again, the trade deadline, it's as, as we sit here in this moment on Thursday, it is three weeks from today. February 10th is the NBA trade deadline. B Robin. I know you know that, but for anyone out there that just knows it's, it's coming up and doesn't know the exact date, put it on the calendar, circle it. And the countdown begins. Brad Stevens, as Ime Odoka has said, he's working the phone constantly, you know, before games, after games. Games, probably during games the man is staying very very busy and it's going to be very interesting to see obviously what he does with his first trade deadline as a president of basketball operations the reporting out there whether from you whether from your colleagues here in Boston whether from national guys like Adrian Wojnarowski it's you know you have untouchables you have guys who are definitively not moving at least in season off season who the hell knows but right now Jason Tatum Jalen Brown Robert Williams, they're not going anywhere. But beyond that, the Celtics appear to be gauging value on everybody else, whether it's Al Horford and his contract, of course, Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, who I feel like it's inevitable that he winds up moving somewhere. And even Marcus Smart is in this conversation right now, which, you know, I know we love him. We trust him. He's a heart and soul. He's a glue guy. He's a de facto captain since he may decided not to name real captains. A lot of people are very, very high on Marcus Smart. We on this show are very high on Marcus Smart. But we're now at a point, even after his big payday, that he finds himself here in this mix to potentially be on the move. What do you think, just overarching thoughts, and then we'll get more specific. What do you think is likely to happen here in the next few weeks? I think that one of those guys you mentioned, one of those veterans gets moved. Um, I don't, I think there's enough smoke out there. And and the fact of where this team has been for, a year and a half now, I think you have to um, realize that this mix is not going to be something you want to build upon for next season. Like, are there pieces here that work? Yeah, but there's, I think there's some redundancy in a lot of these pieces that are here and there are other needs on the roster that need to be filled. Um, It may not be adequately filled by the youth or, you know, other areas that you can use in the off season, whether it's free agency or the mid-level exception stuff, you're not going to be able to adequately fill them and get this team back to a contending level in the Eastern conference. So when you do that, you have to figure out here, okay, what, what can I get for these guys? Can we potentially sell high on Josh Richardson when he's having a nice bounce back year? And maybe some contender thinks he can put them over the top and we get a little more than we thought. And for him, 
Or would someone value someone like Smart, who obviously is locked up long-term there, so you have like some certainty for any team that trades for him. They're like, hey, this is a guy that we can have that can either fortify our bench or just be a good fifth starter and a, obviously a tremendous de- defensive presence for, for years to come. Um, so, And then even Horford, my guess with him, he'd be the most unlikely to go at this point from what I'm hearing, just because that salary is really big and only teams that have a chance of winning now are going to want him. And none of them really have the, the pieces to match salaries well enough that to make that kind of a deal, but everyone else in that list, whether it's Richardson, smart shooter, or, or any of Boston's younger pieces that aren't playing as much, whether it's Pritchard, Lankford, et cetera. Um, those guys are, are going to continue to be talked about and they should be because everything should be on the table for this team right now. Since what's working obviously is, nothing in terms of being a contender <laughs> if i could keep going but i'll take a breath uh no i mean I, we'll get into the bull bull stuff later you know where we want to go with that <laughs> um but i've i've always kind of had this particular point and and i think maybe recently the point has been lessened to a degree because he has been playing a little bit better at least on the offensive side of the ball defensively you know, you're going to live and die with the gambling of Dennis Schroeder, very similar to how, like, Rondo used to gamble a little bit. Being a smaller, quicker guard, you try and go for those quick steals. Sometimes you get them and you get a fast break layup. Sometimes you blow it and <laughs> there's a layup. So it happens. Uh, but with Schroeder, like, I, this was last week, and I've kind of texted Adam about this back and forth, you know, repeatedly throughout the past couple of weeks. Like, I just don't understand what market there is for Dennis Schroeder other than the fact that he's an expiring contract on a very cheap deal. Like, I'm not sure how much value that has around the rest of the league what have you been able to find out in terms of like where Schroeder or maybe it's maybe it's like no they're just like praying that there's someone out there that will take him off their hands and open up more time for Payne Pritchard who I believe deserves more playing time because every time he touches the ball it seems like things go much better but what is your assessment Brian in terms of like where the rest of the league is at with a guy like Dennis who I don't think has a ton of trade value at all other than an expiring contract yeah I mean I think your suspicions are dead on from whatever, I mean, like, this is, there's a reason why he was available for $7 million this offseason. And that's because, you know, he's a, he's a useful player, but point guard around the league is a very deep position. And if you look around playoff teams in both conferences, most teams are very much set at that position or have guys that are either better than Schroeder or they're just more invested in developing than Schroeder. And, and so you look at that and then you look at, rebuilding teams and it's like well what are you going to want what do you want to do with Dennis Schroeder like you're not going to have interest on him on a rental so that does like you know pretty much shrink his market a lot and I think you know a pair of second round picks like is I think realistically what maybe the best offer the Celtics get if that um if you're not honestly I mean Schroeder is playing better he's the offensive numbers he's putting up as a starter are quite drastically better than what he is all coming off the bench so how that factors into things going forward will be very curious. But if I'm a Celtics and that's why I think get, gauging value on everyone could say, okay, say you get a solid offer for sure for smart and maybe you can retain Schroeder as a starter next year because he wants to play for it at a far cheaper number. Is that the route they will go? I don't know. I don't know if they're, they're sold on him as a long-term answer there potentially, but if you get a, a good not, offer for smart, sorry. right. I'm not right. I think right. But I like, but if you can spend some of that money in other parts of the roster and get something good back for smart, then it might start to like make sense to do something like that. So I think again, the odds are far more likely that Schroeder is dealt than 
any of those guys on that list, but it doesn't surprise me to know that the Celtics are kind of checking in on all those things just to see, you know, what potential buttons they could push here to, to start building down the road in whatever direction they do to build around the Jays. Well, we'll find out in the days and weeks to come, obviously, what's real, what's due diligence. You know, the you'll have right. reports, Woj and Shams and everybody else. We'll we'll find out. We'll we'll get an idea of, you know, whether when when there's smoke, there's fire versus, you know, it's it's just talking heads on 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 the radio, on TV or on the internet, having a little bit of fun on Twitter. But you know, I, I don't know. The the Dennis Schroeder thing is just so interesting because you could make a case, you could look at this in a lot of different ways. You could make a case that, that they have a higher ceiling just again this year with a guy like Schroeder versus not. Some would make the case otherwise because of obviously the liabilities that Evan talked about. You could argue for him being the starter even when smart returns and smart coming off the bench. He certainly thrived under Brad Stevens as a sixth man before becoming this team starter. Obviously in many ways, smart is more of a playmaker. Schroeder is more of a guy who's, who's got, you know, an offensive touch. We've seen it recently with the opportunity, but I, I just I, I come back to this kind of core thing, which we've been talking about in this show a ton throughout the season, which is you're not going anywhere this year. You're just you're not, you know, you're whatever your ceiling is this year. And I do believe it's it's playoffs. Maybe it's win around, you know, go out in the second round. You're not a contender. You're not winning a championship this season, barring something wildly drastic happening in terms of an addition or, you know, injuries and, and, and the perfect matchups or, or whatever else, you know, it's, I mean, it would be a real lightning in a bottle kind of thing. So if we operate with that mindset, you're thinking about getting under the luxury tax. You're thinking about freeing up opportunity and development. And I don't think it's a, a, a development season per se. And I've had back and forth with people on, on Twitter about that, but I do think that there is value in, you know, we, we saw it when Schroeder was out, when others have been out, you talked about how hard this team has been hit by COVID injuries and whatever else. You know, Peyton Pritchard's a guy who should be playing and Peyton Pritchard and Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith, all these guys like you got to find out if you have anything there. You need to really see if you have anything there in order to do that. It's counterintuitive, I know, to a lot of the stuff we said throughout the offseason. We were praising Brad Stevens for adding veterans, but it hasn't totally worked out. And so you almost have to pivot and say, okay, what's our priority right now? And I think it has to be to see what the young guys have. And so. You know, if, if the best thing that you just talked about it, if the best thing you can get for Dennis Schroeder is a couple of second round picks and unloading a $6 million salary and Peyton Pritchard and these guys end up playing more as a result, I think you do that. I think it's a no brainer to do that. Yeah. I think that's certainly a path they need to consider strongly whether it's not just Schroeder, but like, and it's freedom. Um, another guy who is here in your future. No. He's yeah, a guy he, that at least he's making pennies. The fact that he's in my so present like, is really troublesome to me, B Rob. I can't, I, the, I can't do Canter or Freedom Minutes anymore. That I, we right. are. I wish they didn't exist. I wish to just give him to Bruno Fernando for crying out loud. <laughs> I would rather at least the energy is fun to watch, and Bruno is you know a guy that'll try a little bit better on defense. I, I, I just can't do it Freedom Minutes anymore. I'm all set. I, I, I've, that ship sailed a long time ago. Right. Especially against like, uh, on Wednesday night against a Charlotte team that is just playing totally small. So he's just totally yep. exposed defensively when he's out there against that kind of a group. Watching him to try and like drop on pick and roll coverage, leaving like Terry Rozier of 10 foot runway to line up that three point shot. I was like, well, like, what are we doing here? Like, he just like, I know you're going to get roasted if he goes by you, but you at least have to attempt to challenge the shot. I mean, at least try it. it, it I, you know, look, I just, I, the sooner that they get freedom off the team, the better, in my particular capacity. 
yeah, I mean, just getting a useful big, a, a, a playable big, I should say, in that spot for like, that at least is young enough where you can, you know, he may, might be building up to something. Just find the best G League center of that out there. Like that's probably a better bet for your, you know, both the present and the future right now than, I mean, I don't, ha- I don't hate having freedom on the roster entirely, but when he's your only playable big alternative, when, you know, Rob or Al is out, like that is not a good solution for how this team wants to play. If they want to be a defensive right. first team, get some defensive first players in that slot because freedom's not giving you much offensively regardless. And we all know what the, the defense is. I'd rather see Larry Sanders out there who has not played basketball in I don't know <laughs> how many years now than watch Enos Freedom out there trying guard pick and roll. And I, again, I don't know what kind of shape Larry Sanders is in, but I'd rather watch that because at least I know, you know, they tried some little different. Again, I like the idea of the best G League center out there. There's this report about potentially checking on Jalen Smith out with Phoenix. Right. I And I can't believe that that's being floated out there. I love that idea. And that's a, a way to take care and take advantage of a team like Phoenix, whose owner tends to be on the, you know, uh, cheaper side of things. Like, you know, DeAndre Ains in there waiting for a contract extension um, that I'm not quite sure he's going to get from Phoenix at this point. I mean, I think probably at the end of the deal, I think at the end of the day, they'll probably get it done, but it's not a total guarantee. Meanwhile, Jalen Smith, and while they've had some injury, you know, COVID issues out in Phoenix, like has played pretty well and is a lottery pick that is, you know, as we talk about all the time, uh, development's not always linear. You're not always going to get better incrementally, right? Jalen Smith's a guy that I would take a chance on. And, 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 and my goodness, what an upgrade over Enos Freedom just by checking in on that. So, I mean, there are, there are things out there where you can maybe take advantage of something like that. Um, I mean, I know it was, it's, it's almost, you know, getting anybody from Sacramento is sort of a, a risky proposal, but like, I would rather, go out and try and see what Marvin Bagley can do than, than watching his freedom. Like I, I've just had enough. Well, I love Bagley. I'd happily take Bagley, but you know, dealing with what they've got currently be Rob and, and just for a moment, going back to the Schroeder thing, like moving freedom, moving Richardson, moving Horford in theory, moving smart, even like these are, these are options, but I don't know that any of them is necessarily for Brad Stevens, a priority is moving Dennis Schroeder a priority. Do you think? A priority? I don't think so. If barring, I think the fact they got re- got down to just two million above the tax right now, so you can they can kind of get all the way there without, you know, um, moving a, a significant piece of salary. I think that makes moving him um, not a priority at like at all. Like it's a priority if you can get something good for him, if you can get like solid value, or and I do think playing Peyton Pritchard more is a priority for them in the second half of the season. Now that he's gotten out of the slump that he was, you know, mirrored in, in November. Um, at the same time, I'm not convinced that Brad Stevens is like set to give up on this season. Like just based on how he, his mindset is as a coach, like he was never from what I heard, like especially early when he just got hired, he was very much an advocate for like, Hey, don't blow things up in the middle of the season on me. Like, and that's, you know, especially when the year they, you know, turn things around in the second half. They got Isaiah and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. They they could have sold a lot more in that year. And he was not one of that. He was like, no, like we, we need to start something. We need to start building something here. So I don't know if he's going to take a similar path with Ime here thinking, Hey, we've had a lot of adversity here in the first half of the season. Um, our, the, the metrics, the analytics say that we're better than our record shows based on how much we have absolutely crapped the bed in these, these fourth quarters. 
Yeah. Now, whether that's a result of the players or whether that's a result of bad luck, it depends on who you talk to. Um, they do have a track record there of that being more on the players based on the fact that last year they weren't good in that area either. But I could definitely see Brad Stevens saying, Hey, like, I don't want, if we're just getting a second round pick for Dennis Schroeder, like, I'll just keep him. Like, and see, you know, maybe things go right. Maybe Jason Tatum gets back to like a, the guy we saw last year as opposed to the guy who was really struggled in the first half of the season with a shot. And maybe we get the, the right draw in the playoffs and we can let Ime Adoka start building something here. And, and so that's, I could, I don't think that necessarily is the right path, but I think that's certainly a path that they could take um, based on just how Brad thinks as a, as a coach, we'll see if he thinks that way as an executive. Recognizing that Brad did trade Kemba Walker, who by all accounts is like the nicest person to walk planet earth next to mother Teresa and Gandhi. Does he have a <laughs> stomach for dealing Marcus smart? I mean, do you really big question he does? Oof. I think he does, but it's going to have to be for like something. And I bet it's for a deal that they don't get. I'll say that like an offer they don't get. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think he's going to, if he's like on the fence about it, my, my inclination is that he'd be, you know, ready to, to keep him over that. But I mean, you do wonder still, like, I mean, no one will say about it, but you wonder, you think back to smarts comments publicly back in the beginning of the season where he kind of threw Jalen and Jason under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, everything obviously seems fine since then, but you wonder just in terms of if, if that, it does have a underlying impact on just the relationship um, between those guys that have been, you know, up and down over the years. And yeah, I, I, I do honestly think that if, if the right things come around, they do it. Cause I know for a fact that like last season, they had serious talks about him then too. And they obviously didn't pull the trigger or anything, but that's, that's something we're with that or whether it's Lonzo ball, this and sign and trade stuff in the off season, like they, He's not a, you know, he certainly hasn't been untouchable for a while now. It's just a matter of, you know, is something good enough there for them to bite on? You know, mentioning Lonzo now that he's down, by the way, with the injury and and the Bulls are just getting, it's too bad because they're such a fun team to watch, but they're just getting ravaged right now. Could that be a spot for Schroeder? Yeah, I actually thought the same thing when I saw it today. Like, oh, he's out for like a month and a half right now. Like, I wonder if they really want to push for it right now. And I'm sure they don't want to lean on Lonzo too hard when he gets back from that kind of injury. Like if that brings them into a market for, you know, a, a point guard rental like shooter. So yeah, that's a, that certainly might be a, a place to look that you wouldn't think would be there, um, you know, uh, even a week ago. I'll draw well, a line to Patrick quickly, Williams. Yes. That's where I, uh, Patrick Williams. Yeah, Patrick Williams. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, real quick, quick break to tell you today's show is powered by betonline.ag, our good friends and partners. BetOnline like to wish you a happy betting New Year's. We continue, obviously, with the NFL playoffs and beyond. BetOnline, your top spot for all sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new year. You got a new updated desktop and mobile website. You can sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code. It is CLNS50 to get you started from course football and you know baseball futures if in fact there's a season basketball second half and futures you could look at hockey futures and boxing and ufc golf so much of it's available to you your favorite vegas casino games don't wait take advantage on all of the amazing offers available to you throughout 2022 bet online your fastest easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports evan i guarantee is going to have picks for you on social media for the nfl divisional round eight teams remaining four games this weekend just online, me, please where the game starts <laughs> yeah help help the man out <laughs> at least we're not talking about the pats anymore um in the interest of time, because we've got you for another 10, 15 minutes, there's still some stuff 
that I want to get to, one of which you did a deep dive on for Mass Live earlier today, which, of course, everybody's talking about it. Jason Tatum's shooting struggles. The man is, uh, you know, 14 straight missed threes now after the 0 for 7 against the Hornets. He's shooting a career low just below 32% from three-point range, and he's doing it, as you noted, on a career-high eight attempts per game. Um you know, Brad Stevens was on the radio this morning, said he's not concerned about it. You know, guys are, are going to miss. It's all about getting looks. If you get the looks, eventually water's going to find its level and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But should we be concerned, B-Rob? Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, when Brad's comments is like, what is he going to say? Like, yeah, I'm freaking out about it. Yeah. Like, this is like, <laughs> I'm incredibly this is alarmed. Our, this is awful. This is our cornerstone, and he, he forgot how to shoot this season. Like, <laughs> we're F. No. But, um, but no, it's, I mean, it's, he's, Tatum has a history of starting season slow and then really finding his own after the all-star break. So from that standpoint, you don't worry too much. Um, there is time to turn things around. With that said, this is a pretty dramatic drop-off. Like 31% is bad. And I know the NBA has, as a whole has taken a dip in three-point shooting this year for whatever reason, whether it's fans. The new ball. The new ball. Like, you know, Tatum obviously is playing the Olympics. He hasn't had, you know, a ton of downs. He can... You can point to a thousand different reasons why it might be the case, but the, the problem is like what everyone, what I kind of wrote about too, and the, the argument, everyone talks about why, what the Celtics need and the, the offensive woes. Like a big part of the equation is Jason Tatum has been a lot worse on offense this year, like period. And when your efficiency drops and you're like, if, if he was playing at the level they were at, and he was playing at last year, they would be the four or five seed right now. They mm-hmm. would probably have won at least three or four more games just based on, the, the amount of, you know, five of 19 duds that Tatum has had this season, which I think honestly is probably approaching eight, nine, 10 games right now in total. So there's still time to turn around the, the four years of a track record indicate that, no, he has not forgotten how to shoot. Like we have pretty good hard evidence that like he'll come around on this, but you do have to, you know, wonder just again, when this turns around and whether the fact, how much of a, problem the fact that the Celtics don't have reliable offensive outlets around him have kind of fed into this and the extra attention he's getting or just trying to take on more himself like whatever you want to say has led to the the, the sharp decrease in efficiency yeah it's in like with Tatum's I've, I've seen some people I think Keith Smith threw this around last night that he, maybe he's tired he's way up there in the league leaders in terms of minutes yeah. you know you know those minutes have been tough ones because and this is one of the things that I, I want to get, you know, maybe your thoughts on here, B-Rob, in terms of, you know, the attention that Jalen and Jason command on the floor together, but more importantly, when the, they're on the floor, you know, just one of them at a time. You know, when you put Jason Taylor on the floor without Jalen Brown, and you surround him with whatever guys you want to surround him with, you know, we've seen, I don't, I'm sure everybody's seen the still shots of, of, you know, whether it's Bobby Manning or anybody else that does, you know, film breakdown. Of like, look at all the attention that Jason Tatum commands when he has the ball in his hands and Jason and Jalen Brown's on the floor. I mean, everybody's eyes are on him and there's probably a guy shading or two guys shading towards his direction anyway. So he's commanding a lot of attention. A lot of the looks that he gets aren't necessarily clean looks. You know, a lot of times they'll be at the end of the shot clock and there'll be him just dribbling it, trying to figure out how he can size this guy up and then realizes I only have two seconds. I got to check up a shot right now. And they're not great shots. You know, sometimes he misses some wide open ones. That's going to happen. I think he missed one or two open three pointers last night. Um, but you know, a lot of them are contested. A lot of them are, 
are, are, are uh, you know, just tough shots in general. Like, you know, shot clock winding down, four dribble moves, and step back three to try and, you know, bail everybody out of an offensive possession. So, again, it comes back to, like, our earlier discussion, I think, with trade deadline stuff. And if they really want to help this team out, you know, how much better Jason Tatum could shoot. And, again, I think you're right. You know, the all-star break, giving him some time off, and the fact that he's been notoriously a better second-half player – um, I think we'll, as as he's yeah. not an all-star by the way. Well, yeah, it's, well, yeah, he'll, he'll probably, he, I think he'll get it. I think we could talk about that probably as we get closer to the all-star break, but I, I think, you know, some time off, a would be great, but I think helping him by putting some better shooters on the floor in whether that's via the trade market or promoting Sam Hauser or whatever you have you like, there is a way to make his job a little bit easier. There are roster tweaks they can make to make the number go up as well. Am I wrong on that? No, absolutely. Putting like Hauser's a perfect example. Like I know he hasn't had any opportunities, but that's a guy that teams are going to have to respect from three. And what he hit eight in the game the other day for me. Yeah, he's right. He's he's or at least you have to find out if he you know G League isn't going to translate necessarily. We we know that far too well uh, based on Carson Edwards. Anyone? Right, exactly. Like, um, but at the same time, um, you at least you know putting a threat of that in the floor will help teams, and there is a balance for that. But at this point, Ime is very much relying on the veterans right now. And so that's a situation where, you know, either Brad has to, you know, have that conversation with Ime. Ime, I'm sure right now, just, you know, he's doing what he's doing. Like Brad's probably pretty hands off there. Um, but if Brad makes some decisions with the roster, the trade deadline to take out some of those guys, of the equation to your point, Evan, like that makes things, you know, you have one option if you're made open, that's to put more shooting out there. Cause it's your, your alternatives as far as veterans are, are gone. So uh, two quick questions that we got on social media, and I'm, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase a little bit to combine some in the interest of time. But, uh, you know, Scott had asked about uh, best good passing point guard role that fans are clamoring for. Someone else had asked about, uh, you know, is, is Brad delaying the deal for that playmaker uh, with important games before the deadline? You know, who realistically is is a guy that they could get, you know, as, as far as a true point guard? Are, are there specific guys that that either you're hearing about that could be on the block that would be good fits for Boston or that you just you know believe in in your own research and reporting that you think are guys that are worth targeting for the Celtics that are realistic it's it's hard to see guys I mean I know for a fact that the Celtics there are guys they you know and this is true for any team there are guys out there they think that are undervalued that in their system could be better and they you know Brad Stevens had a pretty good history or during his coaching career of, you know, making the most out of those type of guys, um, whether it's, whether those free agent reclamation projects or, you know, someone like Isaiah Thomas, obviously. Sure. And so finding those guys, I think the problem now is finding those guys with the assets you have is going to be tough because anything you spend right now, if, if, if you are interested in a Bradley Beal offseason chase or a more, you know, impact player in the offseason, like, any asset you use now in that front gives you one last, last thing to bid with, you know, in this off season. And there is some value of getting that guy in the door mid season. Um, but at the same time, unless he's on a long-term deal, like what, what do you really, we already talked about the season. Like you said that I'm like, what, what's, what's the actual ceiling here, even with a, an upgrade or two to the bench, mm-hmm. like realistically what, like second round if things break. Right. So I think based off of that, I would be, I would be surprised if they bring in like a, a starter level player on that front. I would not be surprised to see them bring in like 
uh, a Jalen Smith type, if you will, like someone who's underutilized with their team, whether they've been buried on the bench or just haven't, you know, gotten opportunities. Someone like that, bringing in a couple guys like that, that might bet fit, better fit around Jalen and Jason. I think that is the path they'll go in, whether that's going to just be shooters or, you know, an extra point guard. Again, depends on what they do with the other guys at the deadline. And because we Rob, it's a theme of something that just comes up each and every week here on this show. And um, it, it's honestly, I think it's just a fun talking point. It off sports guy asks, is he may actually a good coach. He <laughs> may, is a rookie coach. I think, I mean, the jury's out. I feel like on any rookie coach in the NBA, especially during this year, like at a COVID season where you're losing half your roster for, you know, weeks at a time and you haven't had any type of continuity and you have a flawed roster. I think that um, it's tough to accurately assess someone. Has Ime had his moments? I think so. Has Ime gone to some lineups that I think are highly questionable, whether it's playing, you know, Marcus and Dennis together for long stretches or just running. Horford the, and Freedom together. To Horford start and Freedom together. Starts to, you know, there, there, <laughs> there's certainly areas where he could, you know, there's room for growth. I'll put it kindly from that standpoint, but I think this is also a flawed roster. And so it's really hard to gauge what he is as a coach when you don't have much to work with. And the young guys, everyone's like, play the young guys more. I mean, to be honest, like young guys have been pretty bad when they have played this year. Like they're, I mean, outside of Pritchard recently, like these guys haven't shown consistency to to force their way into the rotation. And when you're a rookie coach and you have two all-stars and you, you like, you want to start on a strong note. So you're going to rely too much on veterans. And, and that I think has been to his detriment a little bit early. So I think the jury's out there, but um, I'll say like, it just, I'll be very curious to see what it looks like when he actually gets a more well-rounded roster. You know how long he's under contract. I know the Celtics don't put those details out, but do you know? I don't know. Um, my guess would be like three or four years. Mm-hmm. That'd be yeah, my I was going to say three to five. Like, there's no yeah. way it's less than three. No, it's no, no way it's less than three. And um, yeah, I would, I would imagine that um, it would be in. I think that's the perfect range for any first-time head coach. You're not going to go yeah. longer than three or four, but um, you're going to give some security on that standpoint. And and I think from what I've heard, like the the locker room is still like very much with him. Like they're you know buying into him, and I mean that's not a surprise based on the advocates he had to come here in the first place, but mm-hmm. uh, that's obviously important too. I got a real quick one before we let B-Rob go here. Yeah. Uh, I want to create a new segment. And Adam, you'll be familiar with this. It's called uh, what news is about to break after we stop recording this podcast. <laughs> so Brian Rob, uh, either you have news to break or can you guess <laughs> what news will break following this podcast? Is our track you need to be aware, B-Rob. I mean, I would say what, unbelievable this on, 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 av- on average, let, let's, let's, let's be kind and say on average, one out of every three shows, something happens either before we release or immediately after we release. Like, I mean, it's without fail. It's, uh, it's really like if, if we, if bet online could create odds for us to gamble on this, I would every week. <laughs> well, here you go. So Daryl Morey is giving an interview in lifetime right now on the radio. So we'll go, this is hopefully the breaking news that I caught. We're going to go here. So he, he's saying now that I think that the quote of it is that there's, he, I can tell you that for sure there are deals with the Sacramento Kings that would work for Ben Simmons. He is quoted as saying, while also saying that he's likely still not going to deal Ben Simmons before the trade deadline. So 
He's feeding the flames. He's accepting a top 40 player now. So, but yeah, well, let's say Ben Simmons gets dealt in the, the next 40 hours. That's, that's my guess here after seeing the quotes from this Daryl Morey interview. Okay. I, I like the, uh, the Daryl Morey back in the, uh, the, the very start of the season when he said, I wish I could remember the exact quote, but it was something like, you know, I got as long as he's got, like, I'll wait this out forever. Like, ah. I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> we'll oh, see. man. With Joel Embiid wants to get putting up 50 points a night. It's going to be, you know, yeah. you, you just can't wait till Ben Simmons goes to a new home and all of a sudden he's just taking six three-pointers a game. That Embiid <laughs> setback three was freaking unbelievable last night. I couldn't believe he did that. Unbelievable. Breathtaking. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Between that and the and the Joker cross-court pass, these these bigs, I tell you, they're decent. Ridiculous. The show's powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. We always tell you way too late. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Make wherever fun you find us. us. We, uh, we greatly appreciate it. What's that? Make fun of us in the in the Whatever it is. Yeah, dump all care. over us. Just, you know, give us four or five stars in the That's process. It. You can That's say anything great. you want. You can throw five stars in there, throw, say anything you want. I don't care what it is. <laughs> I love it. And make sure you check out the Winning Plays podcast, part of the CLNS family as well. B-Rob, and uh, is it just you and Rich Levine right now? Is Penis still part of this thing? So, Mike, they come on periodically. Rich is actually taking a little hiatus right now himself. So it's been kind of a rotating cast of guests, whether it's Danger Card or uh, my co-writer at Mass Life, Suichi, uh, Forsberg's hopped on. So nice. It's been, yeah. So, But we'll keep going. We're plugging away. And, um, yeah, it should be fun to go to Celtic speed usually comes out around the weekend then hit up winning plays in the middle of the week you get get your fill of Celtic stuff hey if you ever need us B-Rob we're happy to return the favor no you guys are coming next get ready perfect all right B-Rob Valenti Kaufman thanks for being with us come on Celtics just just give us something (laughs) we'll win three or four out of the next five we'll see you later